On today's episode of the Ringer NFL Show, we discuss which teams have helped themselves the most so far in free agency, which didn't, and some under-the-radar signings that are going to really matter come the fall. As always, we are part of the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can listen to one shining podcast. That's Tate and Titus bringing you everything you need to know about March Madness in this, the most exciting month in the sport. And be sure to check out TheRinger.com. There's a great article by Jordan Kahn on John Calipari. It's Kentucky Week over there at TheRinger.com. Megan Schuster has some new info on Tiger Woods and his betting odds at the Masters, which is all Danny Kelly cares about. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to our NFL show on The Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. With me today is the Dark Knight, Danny Kelly. Danny... I want to talk to you. The Seahawks have had a lot of losses, but they, they? they made up for it by signing Barkevius Mingo to a two-year, $7 million deal. Oh, the tide has turned, Danny. <laughs> that, lose lose oh some man. of the greatest players in the history of the franchise, but here comes Mingo. The Seahawks seem to really love former first-round picks that never worked out. They're, they're really going well, hard I, on I, that. I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence because former first-round picks, particularly top 10 picks, will have the athleticism required yeah. to get drafted that high, yeah. and then the Seahawks are just enamored with a certain type of athleticism. So it's not it's not crazy. It's not a crazy coincidence, but it is uh, an interesting strategy. Yeah. I mean, well, it, I, think, I think Mingo played pretty well last year. I mean, not like, you know, he's not a star, but he, he was like a solid, you know, starter caliber player for the Colts later in the season. Sure. And... The Seahawks are actually going to be really defending on Deion Jordan this year, I think. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, you know, I don't know what to expect really from him, but it sounds like he's kind of going to slot in there for what Michael Bennett was doing last year. So, oh, that's that's interesting. That's a good plan. (laughs) Could be a a weird year for the Seahawks defense. Then again, I mean, they've always kind of thrived on playing young guys. Um, We've we've officially talked too much about Mango and Deion Jordan on the Ringer NFL show. (laughs) Yeah, we already lost some people, probably. (laughs) Let's move on. Okay, Danny. We're going to start out with probably the most important thing, because obviously all the teams are trying to do is get better. We've had a slew of trades. We've now had mm-hmm. about a full week of free agency, which felt like, I mean, it, it really has felt like, what, six months? <laughs> the Alex yeah. Smith trade feels like it happened three years ago. I know. Do we get to include all that and stuff in, in, our, in our winners and losers? Yeah, yes. Three, up, three down? Yes. Yeah, okay. Of course okay. we do. We get to do the whole deal. So we're going to start with the three teams you think have helped themselves the most. Now, to be clear about this, Danny, we talked about this offline, but just so the the listener knows, this is not who are the best teams coming out of free agency. It's just who impressed you with their moves. It doesn't even have to be instant contenders or anything. Who are you going to start with, Danny? Well, I mean, I think the obvious one for me is the Bears in terms of what they've done. You know, obviously they tagged. Fuller, which I think was a smart move. Hopefully, I mean, assuming they hold on to him because they uh, was a transition tag him, so who knows exactly what will happen there. But it sounds like they're going to keep him. Uh, I think it was kind of an underrated thing that they they re-signed to Mukamara, so they've kind of shored up that secondary, brought those guys back, um, and, and you know that, that those, that's a duo that played pretty well last year. So I think that was big. And then obviously going out and getting the top receiver in the market, Allen Robinson. They grabbed a dynamic guy like Taylor Gabriel who can, you know, he's a speed threat. He's kind of, maybe he can bring that, the lateral quickness, you know, pre-snap shift and stuff like that that we saw in Kansas City last year. He could be that kind of dynamic guy. And then Trey Burton, you know, uh, I'm not going to compare him to Travis Kelsey, but he's a really athletic guy and he kind of be the 
the the Kelsey role in that offense under under uh, Matt Nagy. So yeah, I, I just really like what they did. Um, I think they got better. I don't know if like again, I don't know if they're going to be good next year, but I think they got better. I think they gave uh, Mitchell Trubisky some some options in the offense, and and overall, I'm going to be really looking forward to watching this team. Yeah, I think it's an intriguing team, and I think they did a nice job of sort of molding themselves to the current trend, which is go all in when you have a cheap quarterback. Totally. And I think that is so important now because teams sort of waited to see with their rookie quarterback, okay, is he going to be good? Then we're going to go out and spend. You only have essentially a four-year window because the fifth year you start getting into the the fifth year option, which can be you know twenty million dollars right, in, in Blake yeah. Bortles' case, and and so essentially what you have to do is you have to go all in before you know if the quarterback is good. Even with the Chiefs, you had that little bit where you have to go out and get a Sammy Watkins because you know the clock is ticking on Patrick Mahomes. The difference between having a quarterback who makes four, five, six million dollars, or if he's a later round pick, eight hundred thousand dollars, the difference yeah. between having a guy like that. Versus having to pay a guy. I mean, look at the modern quarterback market. I mean, I, I, Kirk Cousins is making three <laughs> years, eighty-six million, fully guaranteed. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with these guys on the rookie deals get to free agency by that time? So spend the money now. I, I don't know if all of those deals are going to work out. I mean, I think Trey Burton at eight million is fine. It's on the upper end mm-hmm. of the bargain, but I do know that getting a guy like Allen Robinson is is important, and I just. They're not one of my three teams that help themselves the most, um, just because, first of all, we don't want to overlap too much. But second of all, um, just because I think that there are other teams that are doing a better version of this. And we'll start with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I, I almost picked them, too. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, what, I mean, what do you like? So first of all, I do. I was on Bill's pod yesterday. He does not like the Richard Sherman signing. I mm. like it because of the contract structure. There's almost no risk. And the upside is you have Richard Sherman. I understand right. it's an Achilles exactly. injury. I understand that um, you know he's not. He was never a speed demon. First of all, to begin with, he was always no. always a more physical player. The reason there's a reason at six foot three he dropped in the draft, um, and it's because he never had that speed to begin with. So what happens when he comes back? Well, he's a smart cornerback. He's going to fit well into that defense. And beyond that, they realize that there's there's a smaller window for them. They they went out and they got Richburg. They got they traded Daniel Kilgore on Thursday um, to sort of make room in that offensive line. And then they got Jarek McKinnon. And I think Jarek McKinnon is a really good player. I'm going to get to him actually a little bit later for for my signings that I like. But McKinnon is, first of all, he's an uber athlete. And he was, okay. Spark God. Spark, exactly. Spark God. When he had, (laughs) when Saquon Barkley was, was doing the bench press and everybody was all freaking out about it, he was just basically matching McKinnon's numbers. Now, (laughs) he had under four yards for attempt last year, which is obviously not ideal, but 51 receptions, 8.3 yards per reception, 420 yards. I mean, I, I think they can find four yards per attempt or over four yards per attempt with another of their backs. I don't know if you can get that sort of athleticism out of the backfield yeah. necessarily. And it was it was a fine deal. The cap is $170 million now. You can afford, what, four, what, what they, four years 30 for him? Uh, I don't even remember, but that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. and that that's fine. Who cares? I mean, the, 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 it's a new economic reality in the NFL. I'm okay with these sort of deals. This, the, the Niners, I think, are kind of doing this thing where they overpay while they're you know, because I think a lot of times when you're a team like the 49ers and you're, you know, they finished, you know, in the bottom of the rankings or whatever. And um, 
you know, they still have to attract guys with money and they're, they've over the last couple of years, they've overpaid from sky for some guys. Obviously I think the general consensus was they overpaid for use check as a fullback, but at the same time, Shanahan's willing to kind of. I mean, of just, they overpaid for Garoppolo, but I mean, at, right. at some point, overpayments are no one cares as long as you. They win. just want to get their guys. Yeah, they want to get as the long guys as you that have a hundred million dollars to spend, spend it. I like the. I really like the Richburg signing. I'm obviously a fan of the Sherman signing. I mean, apart from being you know a Seahawks fan, and it's a kind of a, a knife twist or whatever. But I mean, it, it does make total sense. It's a it's a team friendly deal. You know, he's a guy that. At least for the Seahawks, we, he kind of played the rent, the mentor role for them, and so that could, you know, be a, a, a hidden benefit um, there. And I think just yeah, I mean, he can teach them the you know the Seahawks style press. It's the the step kick, which is kind of I guess technically difficult to do. So there's a lot of upside there. The, the Richburg thing I think is important because the zone blocking scheme. You need a guy who can, you know, be the pivot, get do the, the really difficult reach block where you you reach a defensive tackle that's like on your right shoulder if you're going if you're running to the right they're on your right shoulder you have to reach and get around them and seal them and that's a really difficult block i think it's a common thing that you know that zone blocking scheme asks the center to do and so i think it's an important position in the shanahan offense and so yeah all these all these moves make sense i think you can you can quibble about how much they're paying everybody but like you said i mean they've got a ton of space and they're getting their guys and they're getting guys that they think will fit in their scheme and so um, I'm overall a fan of what they've done. I think the one thing everyone needs to understand about the salary cap is because of the rollover cap money, because of the rising cap kind of married to the fact there are some teams like the Niners who hadn't been spending the last couple of years, teams are just getting complete, playing by completely different rules in completely different <laughs> right. universes. The Philadelphia Eagles last year were in a situation where I think no one on the team made more than 6% of the salary cap, Okay. That's crazy. That, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is obviously because they had had a number of cheap quarterbacks, both apparently both of whom were really good, God, and man. and also because they just know how to manage the cap, and they never got in a situation like the Niners did where they ever had a hundred million dollars to spend. The, I'm looking at spot track right now. Cleveland still eighty million. The Jets seventy four million. The Colts sixty seven. The Niners still have forty eight to spend. Okay. And yeah. so you're going to end up in some weird wonky cap situations. You're going to have to overpay guys, but that's just the reality when you have all this rollover cap money and you have cap flexibility. And now with your quarterback, you have cost certainty. There are some teams that you know are negotiating right now with their quarterback and they can't spend that much money because they don't know how much they're going to have to spend. Yeah. Atlanta has $9 million, but they can't go out and spend $9 million, first of all, because they have draft picks, but second of all, because they don't know what Matt Ryan's going to cost. I, do you, are you a fan of the rollover rule? Do you think that's a good rule? Um, I've talked to a lot of cap people in the league who say that I think that the, the NFLPA, un, <laughs> I know why they did it, and I can understand, mm-hmm. and this is what people in the league told me, they understand why the NFLPA did it, but I think that it it really gives teams more of an incentive to be way patient and just... Right. Figure out exactly. I mean, if Find the Browns did, if the Browns hadn't hired John Dorsey, they could just keep rolling over cap. <laughs> and also the downside. So if you have to spend a certain amount of cash over a four year rolling right. period. Okay, and I think right. the cash spend around the league is about ninety seven, ninety eight percent according to the NFLPA. But the downside, and the Raiders, by the way, had not met those had not met those standards even when they were really competitive. 
because of the, the just the way they had spent free agency and the fact that some of the rookies had hit and they hadn't paid them at that point. And I think that when you look at the downside, which is just you write a check to the players you have, essentially, there is no downside to not spending. And so I think right. at some point we might see a team who abuses the system, but we haven't seen it yet. Teams like the Niners, team, teams like the Browns eventually start handing out those bigger deals. And that's what we're seeing now. So am I a fan of the rollover money? I think it should maybe be a little more limited than it is now. I think yeah, that they shouldn't yeah. be able to, you should not be able to roll over this much where you have $100 million to spend in one offseason. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's a good segue to the next team that I wanted to look at, which is the Jaguars. And they built, you know, they built an elite defense using all that rollover money, right? Like they they went and signed Kayla Campbell, Clay Campbell, um, you know, Malik Jackson, all these big names, and AJ Bouye and, and, so they've done that through their through their rollover, and, and I think it's really worked out well for them. Um, and you know their off season has been weird because on one hand, I didn't really like the decision to stick with Blake Bortles, um, but it, they kind of backed themselves into a corner with that already. So you know that we, that's a whole different discussion. Um, but since what they've done since they started free agency, I've actually liked. I think number one, the biggest one was getting Andrew Norwell. I think he's a huge piece of that offensive line. And, and if we're talking about something, you know, teams that got better, I think getting Norwell on that offensive line makes them a lot better at exactly who they want to yep. be. Totally and agree. They want to be a run team. They want to be a really, really physical, you know, run the ball. Leonard Fournette is the foundation. You know, there's tons of discussions right now, whether that makes any sense, but it did work for them last year. And that's who they clearly want to be. And, you know, there's there's a lot of disagreement as to why, like whether they should have let Allen Robinson go, and and I get that, I definitely do, because I think Robinson's better than Marquise Lee, but yeah, I think bringing him back, bringing Lee back instead, and kind of spending the money elsewhere, is not like a terrible you know consolation prize. I think he did pretty well in their offense. He he kind of emerged as a playmaker. He's he's nowhere near an elite guy in my mind, but I think he's a good receiver and. With sort of the the mix of different guys that they have now, they got Moncrief, um, they have D.D. Westbrook. They've got some interesting players in that offense already. And I don't know with with Bortles, it's just like you know, I I don't know if you need a number one necessarily with the way that they want to run their offense. I think if you spread the ball around, just run the ball, do a lot of play action stuff. Um, I guess that's I, I don't know. I, I just kind of I liked what they did regardless. I think obviously losing Robinson sure. could end up being looking bad. But overall, yeah. they got a lot better. It could only the only reason I could say that there's an argument made for keeping Robinson is obviously he's a great player. But you're already spending four years, thirty four up to thirty eight million dollars for Marquise Lee. I understand. I mean, at some point, just go the extra mile and just bring Robinson back. Yeah, and I get that. I do. And but I guess you know the other thing that you have to think about is like they've had him and you know they're their system for years and maybe they just weren't confident about his knee. Maybe there was other yeah, no, that's you know, it. factors. So I, I mean, don't know. It, that, it comes down to those guys know the players better than we do and better right. than the general public does. But sometimes teams are just wrong. I mean, teams the, Bear, make wrong the decisions, Bears should yeah. not have let Alshon Jeffrey out the door. <laughs> teams make wrong yeah. decisions all the time. So yeah. you have the balance we have to make is, okay, well, maybe they know something about Allen Robinson's knee. Also, on the other hand, we have a track record of teams letting guys out the door, especially for sure. receiver and it ended up making no sense. So yeah, I want to no, keep that, talking no about doubt. the Jaguars because I want to talk about a team that both of us have on our list in the same division. And then we'll get to 
what the AFC South looks like after that. We both have the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I think we, bo- we both presumably like the Malcolm Butler signing. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously the, the Super Bowl thing was weird, but I still think he's a good player. He's definitely a starter caliber corner. And, you know, there's, I think that there's a lot of value in, um, yeah, I think right now, John Robinson and, and Vrabel probably both want to basically create the Patriots culture, right? I mean, that's obvious. I think they probably have even said that. Um, so bringing guys in that, you know, have played in that whole, like, do your job type of thing, yes. I think is important. Kind of spread that, indoctrinate the players around them you know, teach guys how to work and how to prepare and how it kind of works out, how, like how they want to run their program and, and, and basically just, you know, conduct themselves or whatever. So I think there's value in that, but obviously in the scheme, it just makes sense to bring him on. Um, you know, he's a versatile guy. You can play on the outside. I think he's a playmaker. Um, I wouldn't call him, you know, again, I probably wouldn't call him an elite cornerback, but he's no. a good starter and, and that's valuable. So this gets to something the, the, I, I want to talk a little bit more about this later when we get to the players we like. But, I mean, I think the Deion Lewis signing, it's it's running backs are now just bargains. Just productive running backs are always going yep. to be bargains. Uh, with the exception of Le'Veon Bell, actually, Jared McKinnon makes more than $10 million. But no running back in the NFL is going to make over a $10 million cap hit except Bell and McKinnon this year. And Bell is obviously a different situation because he's right. he's essentially, at this point, playing on the tag. We don't know, what, obviously, what's going to happen with negotiations. But... I think, you know, with a $177 million cap, it's easy. I mean, the the Vikings had the sixth highest paid cap hit last year at running back, Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. And they carried it. Latavius Murray didn't do anything and nobody cared because it's just, it's, it's just not that much money. So I think that, you know, in the same way wide receiver is now becoming a little overvalued with some of the, some of the money we've seen, Ryan Grant, especially yeah, yeah. Uh, running backs going the other way to where you can find a bargain basically anywhere on a second contract. I really like Dion Lewis as a player too. I mean, I think yeah, you know, I, I did an article on him late in the season and got to watch like all of his snaps over the season, and he's really, really dynamic player. I mean, I think he was first or second in DVOA and DYAR for Football Outsiders. I think he was like fourth in success rate. You know, one of the top players in elusive rate for Pro Football Focus. I mean, like he's a stat king. He was he was one of the most efficient players in the NFL, and. You know, he can run inside. He was very elusive, you know, getting to the outside. He can catch the ball. I mean, he started out kind of in their offense as like a as a satellite back type of guy. So I think he can do both, um, you know, and, and I don't know what kind of offense exactly Matt LaFleur is going to try and run there. But if you can see it being anything similar to, you know, what the what the Rams were running last year, where the running back is highly involved in the passing game, I think it makes a ton of sense. And so getting a guy like that, and, and again, it goes back to, where you're surrounding your quarterback with as much talent as possible while you have that window, you know? And, and so um, I think it just makes a lot of sense to get Mariota as much talent around him as possible to make it as easy on him as possible. And uh, I like that move a lot. I, you know, obviously you can, you can argue about the value of running backs in the long term, but in the short term, I think it does make sense to get a guy like that because, you know, you can just hit the ground running. Hey, you don't want to, you're not going to sign a running back to a six year deal or anything. Right, but I mean, on a two-year deal, it's fine. A, a actual two-year deal, you can get out after two years. That's fine. I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. AFC South. After all of this, you think what? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I think Deshaun Watson is yep. a huge wild card, and if he plays, 
I don't think anyone should or could expect him to play the way he played in the whatever, how many, seven or eight games that he played last year. Is that just because of the knee or just because it seemed like an unsustainable pace that, and would the, make him the, the greatest quarterback in the history of the planet? Yeah, the latter. It's just an unsustainable. I think it was, I don't know what it was, but he was like 10% touchdown rate or something ridiculous. Like it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, I saw a stat. I think it was Scott Katzmar tweeted this out Wednesday night. With Deshaun Watson, the Texans scored 34 points a game. Without him, they scored 13 points a game. <laughs> if you talk about like points added or whatever, that's the, probably the greatest that's player it. of all time. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. I don't think that's sustainable, but I do think he's. He I mean, I don't think adding math. 21 points per game is sustainable, but I think that they're obviously a completely different team. The AFC South is awesome because then you have the whole Andrew Luck factor too. Like if he comes back, how different does that make the Colts? I'm done projecting yeah. Luck if he's healthy. I love Andrew Luck. I think at some point he'll come back and be great because he's smart and talented, but I'm just not going to do the what happens if Andrew Luck is... I mean, the yeah. AFC South might have the highest ceiling of any division in football yeah, because yeah. of what everybody looks like when they're at their their finished product, but I don't know. I'm gonna, I know, I'm just think about a, so I'm gonna take every team in there has so much variance. I mean, obviously you got the the Texans with Deshaun Watson and what he can bring. You got the Colts with you know Andrew Luck, and then the Titans. I think Mariota is still a pretty big question mark. I mean, he he Talent regressed last year, health and just like the fact that he regressed last year. Obviously, he was playing hurt, but um, you know, in a different system, he could be. I think the range is like he could be like a top 10 guy or he can kind of continue to regress and he he just didn't look that good last year. And so we I don't know if we still really know who he can be. So it, I think the AFC South is just going to be a fascinating division to watch because there's so many just wild cards there. Make a pick. <sighs> right now, I'd probably still stick with the Jags. Mm. I don't know because their defense is just so good. I think that's the main thing. Um, and I do like the addition that they made in Norwell, I think he could, he could really, you know, make them pretty hard to beat just based on the fact they can play defense and, and grind it out on, on the ground. And, you know, obviously I'm not a huge fan of Bortles, but I think that they're trying to surround him with, you know, the type of scenario where he can, you know, you can limit his downside or whatever. So sure. I don't know. I, I like the Jags a, just cause they're defense mostly. Yeah. You ever heard of like JJ Watt when merciless? God, speaking of wild cards. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're pretty JJ good. Won. If everybody's healthy, the Texans are going to win the division. All right. All right. I love the Jaguars. Love the Jaguars defense, all that. But <laughs> just, just getting it out there. It's going to be, I, I actually think that, that could be a, a really fun race. But let's very quickly, my third team, I just want to touch on it very briefly. This is not a team that's going to compete this year. This is not a team that's even maybe going to compete next year. I don't know. They certainly won't be a Super Bowl contender next year. But I just want to commend the Buffalo Bills for a handful of savvy moves because they're rebuilding in a way that I find appealing um, in, in mm-hmm. this sense. They're just getting value for guys they don't want. Uh, if you read some of the reports, they didn't want Cordy Glenn. Well, they moved up 10 spots in the draft and now they're going to be able to trade into the top 10 because of it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They're, they're loading up. They didn't. They clearly didn't want Tyrod Taylor. And I, I just want to leave aside that the evaluation of Tyrod Taylor. I think that they mishandled that in a lot of ways, and and I'm just going to leave that on the side here for a second. But they didn't want him, and they got the 65th pick for him, which I think is yeah, pretty valuable. Yeah. And then they go out and they get A.J. McCarron, who obviously is not he, – he is definitely on the B list of available quarterbacks, but they got him for five a year. 
And that's a pretty good deal when you consider some of the other guys that were around. And so, I mean, Josh Josh McCown was $10 million. He's got a higher he's Sam got a higher Bradford, floor. who's not even going to play, <laughs> got, 20. Was, got 20, 15 guaranteed. I think and McCarron, so, he's probably got a higher floor than some of some other options. Yeah, I mean, he's put, not that great, that but what, all I'm saying no. is that I talk all the time about how to rebuild in the NFL, and you can't really take that long of an approach. The one I thought Sashi Brown was doing a really nice job in Cleveland, but the problem is it was taking slightly too long to develop. The NFL, you only have four-and-a-half-year yeah. windows. And you, the, the contracts are too short. The health is too much of a question mark. Um, guys are only in their prime for so long right. that you cannot take this sort of Sam Hinkie-esque long game. I mean, it has to be a shorter game than that. Really, you got to take like two and a half years to rebuild at most. And so what I like about the Bills is they're clearly rebuilding, but they're getting value and they're stocking up very quickly. So I, that's, that's my general viewpoint. I'm not saying the Bills are, you know, going to win the AFC South. They'll probably be better, excuse me, the AFC East this year. But uh, I just think that they've gotten some value for, for their guys in this offseason. All right, quickly, yep, yep. let's get to the teams you didn't think did very well. All right, well, we had we both had this, I think, and that was the Dolphins. Mm. Um, I just thought the way that the the sum total kind of of all the moves that they've done, it just I don't see how they got any better. Um, obviously, you know, getting getting rid of uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, there's differing opinions on that, but then bringing in. Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola instead, and kind of I, I don't know exactly if that matches up how much they were planning on paying Landry, but you know they both paid those guys a decent amount of money, and so is that really an upgrade there? I don't really see it as an upgrade. And then obviously um, bringing in Robert Quinn and then getting rid of Sue, I don't think makes sense from a monetary or per, like. A, what is the best argument you've heard on why they got rid of Sue? Well. Isn't his cap hit like yeah, twenty six million? Sure. So that's that's a lot, but they're also at the same I'd time getting have rid of Sue than the guys they have. Exactly, but that's what I'm saying is like they did that. I I would understand in a vacuum dropping Sue because it's a twenty six million dollar cap hit, and that's a lot. That's way too much. But then they brought in a bunch of other guys who are not nearly as good. Right. And just over, I, we get into a this. Lot of that just overpay savings. the guy. Right. Or Why just are we so concerned or, about overpaying uh, a guy? I mean, it, it, you're not going to get anybody better, and you're going to end up spending the $26 million on Albert Wilson. I just don't. There's no it, There's no apparent plan. What is the no. Dolphins' plan? What is their are identity? Are they rebuilding? I don't know, I don't honestly. think like, so. Are they? I have no idea. I, the Dolphins, to me, are one of the most confusing teams in the sense that I don't know what their identity is. I don't really know what their plan is. I don't know who they want to be. Um, yeah, all that. I just, I, I, it's just hard to see kind of what, like what any sort of pattern in, in what they're doing, you know what I mean? And, and so I just, yeah. I don't know. Are they going like, like you said, are they going for the long game? Or are they like rebuilding? They released or? Pouncey, which is not a huge surprise today. Right. So I don't know. The, the, the Dolphins to me didn't get better and it's hard to kind of figure out exactly what their plan is. Totally agree with you. Who's next for you? Uh, I got the Redskins. I think, you know, on the whole, I, I like, first of all, the Cousins, like the, the mismanagement of the Cousins thing kind of factors into this because I don't think they got yeah. better at quarterback by getting Alex Smith. Um, 
And then if you look at some of the other moves that they've made, I think Paul Richardson, I do think his arrow is up, but I don't think he's, you know, he's, I think his ceiling is kind of like a good number two. And so giving him kind of like that big running or that big receiver contract, um, you know, it doesn't really, I don't think that makes them significantly better. I think obviously getting rid of Kendall Fuller was questionable in in that trade with the Chiefs. And then um, they just really haven't done anything else to get better. So I don't necessarily think they got a, t- I don't know. I, I just don't think anything that they've done really this so far has really impressed me. And so that they kind of, to me, look like a team that's on the, like potentially on the downswing. Yeah. So I've talked for a just, couple of yeah. years about the team that's going to draw on the li- a line in the sand and say, you know what? Quarterbacks are too expensive. We're going to, Go the other way. We're going to get a decent veteran option, but then we're going to spend the money, the, you know, the $25 million elsewhere, right? That's that's always been, I've always talked to people around the league who've been wondering when they were going to do it. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, someone was like, oh, the Bears are going to do it with Cutler. And then the Bears kind of went the exact opposite way and signed Cutler to a huge extension, right? And I sort of wondered when you saw what the Redskins were doing with Cousins, whether or not that is was going to be their approach, if they were going to right, say, you know, right. we're going to pay seven million dollars to our quarterback, we're going to sign a McCown or a McCarron or somebody like that, and we're going to go from there. And <laughs> instead, yeah. they just decided to give Alex Smith a four-year, ninety-four million dollar contract with seventy-one in practical guarantees. Yeah, uh, that's not a very good plan. I just yeah. I like Smith fine. I think Cousins is better and younger and more dynamic. And so that to me looked like a little bit of a downgrade. And again, it's just kind of one of those things where I don't really know who they're trying to be or what they're trying to do here. Um, yeah, it's just kind of the lack of a of a clear plan. Yeah, it's exact. You're exactly right to compare them with the Dolphins because I I have no idea what they. I don't know. The Dolphins and the Redskins have occupied the same space in my mind, which is yeah. I don't know what internally their expectations for 2018 are. I have no idea. Yeah, totally. Like, do they think they're going to make the divisional round of the playoffs? I don't know. You you could t- if you had if you gave Mike Tannenbaum and Bruce Allen truth serum and you were right there right in front of me. <laughs> I have no idea what they would say their expectations are, because the- they they make moves that are in opposition to to each. Each expectation, whether or not they're going to go five and eleven this year or eleven and five. Yeah, I, I think those are the two, two of those. Two, maybe that's just my sort of impression of these two teams is like they're two of the like less interesting teams to me in the NFL just right now, just because of uh, like I said, a clear, not a clear plan, not a clear identity, not really any true direction. Um, it just kind of feels like they're trying to put like band aids on everywhere and, and like keep the engine running. Rather than like, you know what I mean? Like going for a particular goal. It just is. Yeah. It's just hard to kind of figure out what they're, what they're doing. I would like to talk about another team that doesn't have a plan. All right, let's do that. Who do you think I'm going to talk about? I don't know. First, a quick break. Danny, it's time to talk to you about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at MyBookie. If you haven't checked them out, it's the perfect time to get into the action. The madness of March is here. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Join thousands of online players and start betting at MyBookie.ag. 
Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join my bookie today. You win, they pay, fast and without any hassles. You're wasting time betting anywhere else, and they even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after tip-off. Join now, and MyBookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. You can even enter for a chance to win their million-dollar bracket challenge. Just use the promo code RINGERNFL to activate offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Play, win, and get paid. Okay, another team without a plan, the New York Jets. <laughs> yeah, that's... Surprised so, I didn't get that one. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater's deal is worth up to $15 million. Mm-hmm. Josh McCown, $10 million. And then the rumor is there's going to be a third quarterback via the draft. Right. One of the most interesting conversations I had this season, and in, in years, quite frankly, was with John DiFilippo during Super Bowl week. He's the Eagles quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. And he was talking, he's now the Vikings offensive coordinator, and he was talking about just the fact that no one really understands how few reps there are to go around. And that one of the problems with getting Nick Foles up to speed when Wentz went down is they're just, you, you can't, it's not possible to get Foles ready to be a backup. It's just not. Right, right. They don't get any reps with the first team. They barely get any reps with the second team. I mean, I think... 13 padded practices during the NFL season you get? Yeah. No, no two-a-days? First-team fl- starters barely get enough reps, right? Right. right. Y- yeah. So you're going to have Josh McCown, you're going to have Teddy Bridgewater, and you're going to have a guy you're trying to develop. I understand the desire to stack quarterbacks because you never know what guys yeah. are going to look like. You, never, you don't even know what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater's health. But at some point, there just aren't enough reps to go around. Right. And are you going to try to get Teddy ready? Because you just spent $15 million on him. Are you going to try to win now, which would probably mean starting Josh McCown week one? Or are you going to <laughs> try to give all the reps to your your draft quarterback, whoever it may be, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, any of the Josh Rosen, whatever, and then and then take the $25 million you spent on two veteran quarterbacks and just put them on the bench? Not even yeah. not even dress one of them? I just, I'm not, you know, look, they're in the NFL. They're smarter than me. But at some point, there's just not a logic to having three quarterbacks you've invested in in the same yeah. room. Are these, I, these, all these teams kind of fit into this like purgatory category in the NFL where you know, they're not necessarily trying to get younger and, and and like develop with a specific timeline in mind. It's like treading water almost. It's like, let's try and just tread water until we figure out what we're doing. And part of that, I think, has to do with the Jets leadership is on thin ice, right? Like if they don't show some sort of significant improvement or, or progress, they could, you know, you could see a regime change there pretty soon. And so... I guess on one hand, I can kind of see the like the McCown thing, like McCown thing gives them a floor that they can establish. The Bridgewater thing is like, okay, we're going to take a flyer on him. If he wows us, he could be the starter and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we can go with the draft guy. But again, it's just it. it, There's no clear. I guess there's just no clear plan in place in in terms of what they expect to happen. And so I guess that's just kind of where I was looking at it, too. It's like. Yeah, it's just kind of hard to figure out who they're trying to be or what they think they can be or what um, 
it's just like fly by the seat of your pants type of thing. Yeah. And, and I don't know. It, it, I mean, we could end up looking back on this and being like, wow, they had a great plan in place. Cause I think that we kind of had this conversation about the Eagles a few years ago when they signed like Bradford and, and, and I think was it Chase Daniels or someone, they had like a couple different guys. Yeah. Um, under contract and you're like, wow, they're spending a lot of money on quarterbacks and it ended well, up working out for them. it's not just the money. I'd be fine with the money. I, as as I keep saying, the money can be can be made irrelevant with just savvy cap management. You can figure any of that stuff out. Right. It's just more about the time management and yeah. just the signal about where you're going with your franchise. I, Are I, they going to... Is, is Does this mean they're going to just decide to skip out on getting a quarterback in the draft? No. I think is the big question. That's, I don't think that's... If you listen to any of the Jets reporters, I think they're they're still planning on trying to get a quarterback. I mean, they have to. And the difference here is that the Bradford, Chase Daniel, Carson Wentz scenario, they traded Bradford for a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that what they got out of him? Yeah. I don't think they're going to get either of those. The, oh, neither wow. of those guys yeah. are going to. So, I don't know. I, it, it's, yes, that's correct. They're not. Gonna, so we'll see. They're gonna we'll pay, see how it works. They're gonna out. pay twenty-five million dollars to two guys and then they're just gonna be somewhere else next year. McCown will be quarterback's coach for I I couldn't even tell you. And Bridgewater <laughs> will be somewhere much happier away from New York. Uh, my third is the Cardinals. It's kind of the same deal. It's yeah. like, you know, you're paying now you're paying uh Bradford and Glennon to be bridge quarterbacks for a team who doesn't look particularly ready to contend. And, and at the same time, they made their defense worse by getting rid of Honey Badger. And so I don't really see... There was a couple of people tweeting about this yesterday, but it's like, it's it's almost hurts to see them decide to pay uh, Bradford and Glennon on the same day they release like an all-pro caliber player like Honey Badger. Obviously, he's kind of been up and down because he's been injured or whatever, but... Um, I mean, he's such an exciting, good player for for the one part of your team that actually has potential to be really good next year, which is your defense. And you kind of, I don't know, it, it's that was an interesting decision to me. I think they're closer to rebuilding than than we think. And so um, bringing in like a Bradford at this point, I don't know how that really helps them in the long term, it, I guess. Teams are just yeah. so rational about quarterbacks. If you're going to rebuild, and I, I think they probably are, don't bring Sam Bradford in fifteen million dollars. Yeah, just draft well, the, a guy like you've said it. Or he's just probably get AJ McCarron. Who cares? <laughs> or McCown. Yeah, give McCown eleven million dollars. He'll go to Arizona. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, real quick. My third, and, and this is not an indictment of of anything. It just I've talked about this on multiple podcasts now. Um, I just don't know if the Vikings got any better mm-hmm. with the Kirk Cousins deal. I think that if you franchise Case Keenum. Kick that down the um, kick that down the road for one year. See how right. it goes. Keep the cap flexibility. Don't sign a fully guaranteed eighty six million dollar deal. Um, that that's a little bit better of a plan. Just because even if Case Keenum, I said this yesterday with, with, on Bill's pod. Even if Case Keenum wins the Super Bowl, he's not going to get a fully guaranteed eighty six million dollar deal over three years. Um, and so right. I just feel like the you know they're they're not going to get any farther than they did this year. They're not going to get to the Super Bowl. They got to the NFC Championship game last year, and as Bill pointed out on the pod yesterday, that was a defensive failure and a weird mental failure as well in that game. That wasn't a a Case Keenum failure necessarily. I don't think Kirk Cousins wins that game. I've thought a lot about this. We talked about it Hmm. last week. We entertained the idea of whether or not he would win that game. 
I thought about it a lot. I don't think he does. Okay. I mean, it was just, it, yeah. was, it was a weird game. Um, and the one thing I do want to say, I want to separate two things. I'm a massive advocate for NFL players getting paid more, um, getting more guaranteed money, getting rid of a lot of these roster bonuses, uh, split contracts. I mean, you can read some of my work right. on, the, on the ringer where I talk about that a lot. Um, but you have to divorce that from the fact that from a savvy business move, from a savvy roster personnel move, giving Kirk Cousins that much money, that much guaranteed was just not a very good football decision. And I think you, you could, those they're going to lose some guys because they're going to lose some guys because of it. And I'm all yeah. for guaranteed money. Everybody should get it. But if he's the only guy in the NFL that has it and he's the only contract you can't get hmm. out of for three years, um, from a personnel standpoint, that's that's less than ideal. I'm torn on it because I, I do think he's better than Keenum. Um, but how much better? Right. That's And that's the question is, like, does he add one win? Or, you know, like you said, does he win that, that game, that NFC Championship game? You know, and it's a good point because... It was almost like that game just snowballed on the Vikings. Like they took an early lead and then, you know, just a couple of weird things happened, like the interceptions and stuff. And then it kind of snowballed on them. And, and all of a sudden it was just like they ran into like into a buzzsaw essentially. And so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Like, does it make them good, like enough, better enough? Or is it a big enough boost to cancel out all the other stuff that they're potentially going to lose. That's, that's the question. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I think it does give them a slightly better chance though in this next season. I do think they have a chance to potentially be, what were they? I don't, they were a very efficient offense last yeah. year. I don't know where they finished. I think it was like fifth or something yeah. in DVOA, but they could be top two, top three now. And I don't know if that's enough to, to put them over the top or not. Okay. DK. Moment we're all been waiting for. We're all talking. We've been talking about cousins, <laughs> and we've That'll spent too it. much time on the Sam Bradford deal. And so let's get to the guys you think are going to make yeah. very quickly make a difference come September, October, November. Because last year, yeah, we had Patrick Robinson, who no, mm -hmm. I'm no one was talking about that. No one gave a crap about Patrick Robinson. People thought it was a bad signing. Yeah, yeah. who cares? I didn't know he was on the team till September, and. <laughs> He ended up being the steal of the year. Um, yep, he's not yep. going to be the steal of the year this year only because he was signed a $20 million contract with the with the Saints and thus cannot make under a million dollars like he did <laughs> last year. All right, who's your first guy? So the first guy that came to mind was Nickel Roby Coleman. Uh, he's, yeah. He's kind of same Forgotten man in the Rams. Yeah, I mean, they've done a lot of big stuff, obviously, you know, bringing in Marcus Peters, Talib Kweli, or <laughs> Talib Kweli, <laughs> Akib Talib, and... Um, you know, they franchise LaMarcus Joyner. So they got some big names in their secondary now. And then kind of under the radar, he just came in at the end, like they re-signed their nickel. But I think he's a, he's a guy who is, um, you know, he's a very efficient for them. He, he doesn't give up a lot of yards, doesn't give up touchdowns. I think he's kind of a, a, an underrated part of their defense. He's not going to play every snap, but, um, you know, he kind of completes that secondary. And, and I think you're looking at one of the top secondaries. As, as long as, you know, there's not too much craziness, you know, kind of with all those mercurial guys that are on that defense now, but I think um, he could be kind of the last missing piece to that to that defensive secondary. Okay, so I just want to talk very quickly. I already talked about it earlier about the running back position. I just think that there are values to be had. You can go out and get 
Kareem Hunt in the third round, as the Chiefs did last year, and pay him almost nothing and have him under control and then never sign him to a second contract, which is what <laughs> what uh, what most teams would want to do. But barring that, getting an established running back, I mean, it's it, it's a value at this point. I mean, even I would say Le'Veon Bell, if he signs a you know a three year deal worth fifteen million dollars, then he starts getting into to the the non value part of it. But I think you cannot at this point sign a sign an established good running back to a bad deal. Um, Lashawn McCoy is on eight point nine this year. Um, Latavius Murray, I mean, obviously he shouldn't be making six point three. That's that's a bad deal. But again, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it barely matters. Uh, Devonta Freeman, five million dollar cap hit this year. Great example. And so Deion Lewis, and this is what I'm getting to. Deion Lewis making, I think, four point five is one of the highest paid veteran running backs in the league. Even if you only get one year of production from him, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. And so I think that Deion Lewis and and Jarek McKinnon are both guys who you can end up saying in October, November, I can't believe other teams let him get away. McKinnon a little differently just because he doesn't have he doesn't have the running game that Lewis has. McKinnon's an athlete out of the backfield. He can do things in the passing game, but he doesn't have the explosive runs that, that Lewis has had in New England. I like both of the fits for those guys too. Yep. I know you're talking you're talking about Lewis, but if McKinnon had signed somewhere else for that same amount, I might have thought it was even weirder, but I, I kind of like it. I mean, I think it, right now you kind of just trust Shanahan to to use him well and get the most out of him. And I think in, in Tennessee, I think Lewis is going to be a really good fit there. So, yeah, I like I like both those players, and I like I like the fits too. I think it's just going to be – they make both their teams better. All right, who's your second guy? Um, my, my second guy is uh, Bradley McDougal with the Seahawks. I think um, with the situation they have in their secondary with – Sherman's gone now. Cam Chancellor, I think, is probably going to retire. I think he. I mean, obviously, we don't really know for sure yet. But if he doesn't come back, I think they they were going to have a big hole there. And so, um, getting a guy like him for you know really low key sort of I, I don't even know what it was like three million or three years thirteen or fourteen million or something like that on the relative cheap. I think he played well when when uh, Chancellor missed time last year, and I think um, getting him back is a big deal for the Seahawks who who need a little stability because they're just going through such a kind of upheaval right now. So I think that could be an underrated signing. You could hear his name a little bit this year. All right, quickly, Demaro Davis signs with the Saints, one of PFF's top-graded uh, linebackers and players overall in, in free agency. I think he was the seventh-ranked inside linebacker for PFF. $8 million a year is not bad. I think the Saints end up with a value yeah. signing there. I like that one a lot too. Uh, my final guy is Bruce Ellington with the Texans. Um, he kind of came on later in the year and, and showed some stuff, obviously, you know, very, very good athlete. I think he's kind of dynamic guy that they can use in the slot and, um, just kind of goes along with the whole X factor thing with, with what happens with Deshaun Watson. But I think he could be a guy who develops as a, you know, just kind of a, a playmaker over the middle of the field for them. Totally agree. Last guy for me, Bo Allen, former yeah. Eagle run stuffer. Does a little more than that. 18 stops, according to PFF, and 422 snaps, which is a pretty nice rate. Uh, bargain, I think, five five a year. Um, coming from coming off of a Super Bowl, a part of a nasty, nasty Eagles defensive line. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that's that's those are the sign kind of signings where if the if the 
Bucks go up to, you know, nine and three, we're going to say, okay, those, those are the bargain signings that make a difference. So I'm watching the Bo Allen signing as a potential, you know, top three, top five value signing of, of 2018. Did you know that he's a smart guy too? I did. Yeah, he, he was Chip Kelly like one of the him. most athletic defensive linemen in that draft when he came in. Chipper loved him. Oh, yeah. I love Chipper. <laughs> All right, Danny. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Yeah, man, it was fun. I love it. Uh, what else are you looking forward to in the rest of free agency? I like I I'm with you where I'm really interested in kind of the middle range, the the quote uh middle class yeah. of of the NFL in terms of just the mid-range veteran contracts. I'm really looking forward to kind of how those fall now because we got through most of the big money guys. Obviously, there's a few that still have to fall like Sue and Sheldon Richardson and a few other guys, but um I'm I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing like we talked about some of these Patrick Robinson level contracts that really pay off next year. So that's, that's exciting. Yep. All right. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the ringer NFL show on the ringer podcast network.